Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Third hour of Outkick 360 Thursday edition is here. Glad you're with us. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. We broadcast live from 6th and Peabody in downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, uh, plenty of discussion uh, across the, the SEC, NFL, and more. Uh, scheduled to be joined in just a minute or so by former NFL quarterback Michael Vick. Um, quick recommendation from me before we talk with uh, Michael Vick. Looking forward to that interview. Watched Hustle on Netflix last night. This is the Adam Sandler okay. basketball movie. It's terrific. I, I was not. I did not have high expectations. I like Adam Sandler. This is not your typical Adam Sandler silly comedy. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit of comedy, but it's mostly a drama. It's really well done. I was I was entertained for two hours. It. It is clear the NBA had a big part in this movie. I mean, Doc Rivers is in it. He's an employee with the 76ers. To, uh, Tobias Harris is a big part of the movie. People playing themselves. Um, Kenny Smith plays a former college basketball teammate of Sandler's at Temple, and he's a super agent in the NBA. He's awesome. Like, you would think that he had acted his well, whole life. He is great in the movie playing a different character. Garnett was really good, I thought, in the movie. Yeah, what was that, Jim? Uncut Jim. Uncut Jim. Yeah, that was he was good. But it's uh, it's I, I highly recommend it. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised by it. Sandler's good in it, but it, Sandler's good in dramas when he takes part in them. Uncut Gems, yeah, is a good example of that. But uh, yeah, I was I was very impressed. I mean, there's there's a sequence after the movie in the credits where they go into everyone who played themselves in the movie, and there are so many basketball cameos that I don't even remember half of them when they go through oh that was that person that scene oh that was this person it's it's really it's really well done what's um, he getting paid on Netflix to do all this oh I remember when the the first so he it was him and I think you know Dave Chappelle who had two of the biggest deals in the beginning but he was the one of the first to jump on board to say I'm putting all my movies on Netflix. everything yeah everything's there I'm going I'm to look it up now because you got me interested. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I recommend it. Uh, while we wait on Michael Vick, a quick side note on him. Uh, $275 million for four movies was the original deal in 2014, and he has since signed on for four more movies. And I'm trying to find how much, how much money that's worth now. Probably double. What would you guess, five hundred? Uh, if it was signed in 2014, maybe. If yeah. you're re-upping it, it there's been it could be somewhere there, right? somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, I, certainly it's been successful for them. While yeah. we wait on on Vic, um, back in this was roughly 2005 2006, um, working uh, with uh, Tennessee Titans Radio Network, there was a topic by someone with Sports Illustrated, and I can't remember the writer, but they were doing an off the record poll. Locker room to locker room where they would just go up to guys and they would have like five questions, right? And it was anonymous. And you would, as the player, just vote or say 
the name or the team or whatever. So, like, what team would you like to play for? You know, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? And one of the questions was, other than your own quarterback, which quarterback do you wish was on your team? And it wasn't Tom Brady. This wasn't, you know, uh, Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. 90% of the people in that locker room that day said Michael Vick. And he joins us now on Outkick 360, former NFL quarterback now with Fox. Michael, good to, to have you on the show, man. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. How about you? Doing, doing excellent. Uh, good. Good. How, how much do you watch the game today and think, uh, yeah, th- this, is, this is my era right here. I was doing it first just 20 years ago. Yeah, I always look at it as 20 years too late. <laughs> Those guys out there, they look like they're having fun. And I think the cool part is they got offensive coordinators who really understand what their game is supposed to look like and how to take advantage of the things that they do well and the things that they don't do well. And a lot of it includes them running the football and pulling it down. So when I first started doing it in 2001, when I first came in the league to – you know, the time I was done, I just seen that transformation of it becoming more relevant. And uh, it was cool to kind of set the tone. But I, I always feel like Donovan and Randall and Steve Young and Elway and those guys, <clears throat> they made mobility cool. So I, I kind of rode the wave. Well, I was a huge Steve Young guy growing up. But it was right around your era, Michael, where video games were really taking off even more. And I remember playing the old college football, NCAA football video game, and when you created a player and it was a quarterback, you always put their mobility and speed at 100 (laughs) is where I would start, and that's how I kind of based my play calling in that game. Hutton just ran through that survey of players in in the NFL after you had played, and the majority are saying, I want to play with, with Michael Vick. How much do you think video games had to do with that? With guys of that era growing up, wanting to play with the Falcons or the Eagles because they could play with Michael Vick and they could run the ball when they needed to? Yeah, well, it won a lot of people a lot of money. I'm sorry my son is right here. That's fine. You're fine. He, he just got out of school, so I'm, I, I might as well get used to this. <laughs> but I'm, I'm enjoying it. No, I mean, guys won a lot of money playing with me in the video game. And um, when you have those type of attributes and – from being on the cover, I got a chance to get to know those guys. So every year, they wanted to make sure that I was pleased in terms of my attributes on the game. So it, it was hard to stop. The only person that couldn't play with me on Madden was me. I could not control myself on that <laughs> game. But, um, you know, a lot of guys got familiar with me as a football player because of Madden. It was a commotion, emotional connection. It's always going to be that way. We love Madden. And people love to play the game. Shout out to the great John Madden, the late great John Madden. And so the legacy lives on, man. And, uh, you know, I'm still playing Madden to this day. Mike Vick with us. So now kick 360. Who was your quarterback on Madden if it wasn't you? Oh, Peyton Manning. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. It was, it was either Peyton, Tom, or Drew. Those this- are the guys I wanted to be like when I was standing in the pocket. When I was standing in the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this that, that wasn't funny. I was just about to say, stop laughing. I was just about to say, I wanted to be Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and, and Tom in the pocket, and my son just laughed. So everybody witnessed that, like, yo, well, they're in the league. So I wanted to be those guys. 
when I played. It's funny, Mike, because, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick yesterday goes on and does an interview and says, oh, Peyton Manning's the greatest quarterback of all time. That surprised me when I heard that, a guy who played with, you know, Tom Brady also, obviously, but he had no hesitation in saying that. And here you are saying you would play with Peyton Manning if you're on a video game. Yeah, well, I mean, how can you not admire Peyton's work ethic? Peyton's mind, like Peyton opened us up to something totally different from a quarterback's perspective. It was like with Peyton, you can just like open up the brain of a quarterback and you get all this information in one. Whether you're getting it directly from him or you watching him orchestrate it out on the field, it was it was football mania, man. It was like everything compartmentalized so the average fan could understand it, and, and it was an amazing thing to see. I will say that. Michael Vick, our guest here on Outkick 360. What's your son's name? <laughs> it's Michael Vick Jr. Uh, no nice. press. Junior. Nice. <laughs> we'll be, no press. We'll be interviewing him here in about 15, 20 years probably too, so we're, yeah, this is a good yeah, preview I, of that. Yeah, if I can get this iPad out of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> We're joined by Michael Vick on Outkick 360. Um, we, we, Kaepernick just had the tryout with uh, or the, the workout with the, the Vegas Raiders. And we, we brought you up as an example when we were discussing how long he has been out, much longer than what you were out of the league. But you know the difficulty of trying to get back into the league just after the time away. Um, yeah. And, and, and what, two years for you. Um, what was the process like, not just trying to get a team to bring you back, but getting yeah. back into the, the, the mental and physical shape that it was going to take to get back to the highest level? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was physically uh, being able to perform, especially the first year I was back. And I, I took it for granted. I really thought that um, I would be able to come back into the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be able to come back and play the game at a high level and not miss a beat and that everything would, you know, flow smooth. But, you know, I found out that um, really quickly that the game is was way faster. Um, offenses were a little more complex and, and that, you know, I had to really take that year off in football to, to get my strength and conditioning back up. So I needed some time off. Um, because it's just different movement. It's different than when you're just working out. You show up one day and, you, you know, you just work out, you throw the football around and drop back. You know, you, you got practice with – you're practicing guys coming at you. You got to make moves. You got to think. You know, it, it's a little more rigorous. And, uh, you know, not to say that Cap can't do it. It's just going to be a little tougher. But I think Cap is young enough where he can survive it. You know, he's only 34 years old. So um, he got some good years left in him. And uh, I, I wish him all the best. Do, do you think he could be a starter again in the league? I know the first step would be just getting on a roster and having a chance to compete for a job. But do you think it's realistic that from what you saw, the end of his tenure with the 49ers, and now you have this long layoff, could he possibly get back to being a starter in the league? Yeah, I think it, it'll happen in due time and, and – you know, typically with a quarterback, you know, in cap, you know, his position, he's been out of the league for a couple of years and he hasn't played in a long time. It probably would be smart to just come in in a backup role and just play that backup role for another two or three years. And when you get an opportunity to start, 
you show that you can play. You win a, a series of games. You win five or six games, and then maybe, you know, the year prior, you know, somebody would be looking at you in terms of bringing you in and giving you a chance to compete for the starting job. But, you know, it, everything in the NFL has to be earned, and I think Cap understands that. It's, it's highly competitive, and, you know, he knows that. So, you know, I think in time he could become a starter, and, you know, whether it's through injury or, you know, just outplaying somebody ahead, ahead of you, um, it, it can be done. So I, if I was some, you know, I would – and on the side of just staying optimistic about my opportunities that can come and, and, and enjoy the game when he get back. How many workouts did you have before you ended up in Philly? I had a lot. Um, oh, okay. You know, I may, I made might have had, you know, a couple. I, I will tell you, I wasn't working out when I was in prison, so I didn't work out for almost 18 months. And, uh, you know, that, that was a major setback. And that's not the case for Cap. So... You know, it's just in thinking about that, he's been training and working out so he can get back a lot faster than than I could. I absolutely did nothing. And uh, so, yeah, it just takes a little time, but it, it can definitely be done. Michael Vick, our guest here on Outkick 360, uh, looking at the, the league as a whole right now, outside of Rodgers and Brady is back, we know what Mahomes is certainly capable of. The Bills right now are the Vegas favorite uh, to win the Super Bowl. And, and Josh Ooh. Allen and Mahomes put on a, a show. Yeah. Uh, with the Rams, of course, and what they've done and the money they're spending. Is there an outside team that you point to that you think is the up-and-comer? I didn't mention Burrow and, and Cincy, but is there another Cincy-like team that you would say we should keep an eye on? Look out for Pittsburgh. Uh, you look out for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is always a team, you know, led by Mike Tomlin, uh, you know, a fearless leader. You know, they they gravitate to what Mike T and his team really says. And I, I know their scouting department is one of the best in the league, and they're always going to have, you know, some of the best receivers in the league. They know how to draft quarterbacks, obviously, um, and definitely know how to draft receivers in defense. But, you know, when I think about the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think about, you know, they just drafted Kenny Pickett. You know, he's definitely going to be a wild card or a kid that can sit back and learn. He won't have to play because Mitch Trubisky, if you went, if you watched Mitch Trubisky's preseason from last year, he was on fire. And he did a lot of good things. He might have averaged two touchdown passes a game. I know every game I caught, and I caught, I catch almost every preseason game, um, Mitch played really, really well. And Sometimes after going through the things that you go through as a starter, you know, it, it can be tough on you, but it also makes you tougher. And I think Mitch had a chance to go to Buffalo and sit behind Josh, and, and now he's ready to at least take on the position for a year because you got Kenny Pickett. He might not be the long-term answer, but he's playing for a future, and that's what a lot of guys are doing. So quarterback play in defense in Pittsburgh, you got a, you got a team that's not a sleeper but a contender. So it's announced two days ago that you've got a new gig uh, right now. You're going to be working with Level Sports Group and yeah. working on NIL. That's been a topic we've talked a lot about on this show, about NIL and how it could change college athletics, college football specifically. What specifically are you doing with this group, and where do you see the growth going with NIL and college football? Yeah, well, my role is not all about the NIL. That that wasn't what attracted me to 
the position that I got. It was more of the mentorship role and being able to be around the kids and yeah, absolutely learning about NIL and learning about this space and you know, all of us kind of coming together as a group and using, you know, our people and our marketing opportunities to um, you know, make these kids' futures brighter. Um, you know, from a financial literacy standpoint, a mentorship standpoint, you know, I, I always feel like, you know, to, to be great, you have got to have a great mentor. And, um, you know, that's kind of how I look at life now. And, you know, why I give so much time back to the game of football. Um, I'm, I'm really going to enjoy, you know, learning about this whole space and, and spending time with a lot of these kids, helping them get better, helping them understand like what the next steps are, because now you got to grow up a little faster. You might find yourself in a position where you you making a couple thousand, hundred thousand dollars, a couple million. It's not like it was when I came out. You know, these guys have opportunities. So, um, not to manage it properly. You know, to not get complacent, to not feel like, you know, I got an NIL deal and I got money, and I don't need to still go out and try to accomplish great things on the football field or in whatever sport. It's to still go out and be successful. It's to help you get your life started and get you off to the right track. And then once you reach the professional ranks, whether you do or you don't, you're in a good position and you don't learn a lot along the way. And uh, just, now it's just an opportunity for young men and women to mature faster um, and be ready for what's ahead. It's a very similar uh, description for the Vic Family Dream Front Fund, which uh, I know is uh, something you've established and your family's big on. Yeah, um, our family is big on giving, big on, um, you know, charity. And, and uh, we just started the Vic Family Dream Fund. Um, it's going to be catered to so many different things, Boys and Girls Club, Prison Reform. We, you know, we're trying to cater to a lot of different charities and, and, and special interest groups that, you know, just need help, need outreach. And uh, we want to do it together as a family. It's something I want to pass down to my kids and you can go to VicFamilyDreamFund.org to get more information and, and, and insight on what we're doing, how we're doing it, where we're doing it, updates and everything. We're excited about it. So, you know, it's all about legacy over here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do it for this, this little guy who's sitting in my lap who motivate me every day to continue to, you know, just be the best that I can be. I, I see him get up, I watch him get up and go to school every morning as a, as a four-year-old. Don't complain about it you know, enthusiastic, got energy. And uh, him and all my kids, they revived me and my wife. So got a strong team over here. We're just trying to make it stronger. Michael Vick has been our guest. Thank you so much for the time today, Mike. We appreciate you. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Thanks for having me. All right. There's Mike Vick there from Fox Sports, uh, as well as uh, all the other initiatives he's involved with. Um, We certainly hope it won't be the last visit that we have with him. Um, one of, I mean, the nineties era college football, this is right at the end of the nineties, early two thousands, his freshman year at Virginia tech was incredible. And you know, Blacksburg and Virginia tech and the, the unbeaten year going into the national the championship lost game, to, lost to Florida state yeah. in that 99 season. I think it was Shane Beamer was his teammate, uh, head coach at South Carolina. The long snapper on the team that year. It, he was a must-watch. I mean, he not not just you know early yeah. NFL, but Virginia Tech, absolutely. He was a guy that when they were playing late Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, uh, they, he made Virginia Tech football a must-watch in his era in Blacksburg. Terrific player. 
Stay tuned. More coming. We'll hit the headlines and we will discuss the topics across the mini camps right now in the NFL. That's next to now Kick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We'll discuss Lincoln Riley and tie in the SEC in just a moment. Also, headlines from minicamp and the mandatory practices that are ongoing across the NFL. First, though, the one thing that I've noticed today with the Live Invitational, which teed off today, and the PGA. Both tours have events happening right now. Is anyone even asking about the leaderboards? Has anyone, even, have, has anyone even said, hey, who's leading round one of the Live Invitational? How did Mickelson and Dustin Johnson perform today? It's been more about just watching them perform, not really what the result was. Um, and it's been more about their comments on the future and how they're going to react to how the PGA... And that's the story. But both tours have events going on. And it's just kind of going through the motions with both of them right now nationally as, as we cover this. It's like having the NBA Finals and the game play out, but yet we're focused on you know, whatever Steve Kerr is going to say or, um, you know, if there was a fight that broke out, we're going to cover that, but we're not even going to mention the final score. That's interesting. How much do people uh, really I, care about the result as much as they do the um, the feud? I, I can't even find the leaderboard on the Live Tour. I, I did this earlier before the show. I wanted to see who was leading, what team was ahead. You go to their website, it's not there. It's Charles, Charles Swartzel is actually, uh, he's leading, uh, he's five under, uh, Scott Vincent, Justin Harden, Brandon Grace, Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, by the way, are, are one under for round one, but the, the, the leader right now in London is, is five under that just to put in perspective, like, um, but I'm not even sure if, if I, I, in fact, I know for, I know that no one's asking like, Oh, what, who's leading this tournament? Like that's that's the I, well, next thing that, is are we tuning in to watch it once everything and I don't know maybe it doesn't die down Chad well this but are is we why tuning in to watch it for the result I am like this is why I asked the question because 
I think that they're being blacked out to an extent by all news outlets. Maybe so. Because I searched it. I said, live leaderboard, and it's very hard to find anything. I searched PGA leaderboard, PGATour.com, immediately pops up with ESPN, CBS, you know, 15 other sports sites with an active leaderboard. I can see that Wyndham Clark is seven under and done for the day, and Matt Fitzpatrick is second, and Harold Varner is at five under, and Rory McIlroy and Tony Finau are at four under par right now. I can see all those things quickly Mm -hmm. when I search PGA. It, It was really hard for me to find. I'm glad you found it, but to find a live leaderboard even on their website, which was odd because I said earlier it was very easy to watch it when I went to their website. And it was fine, you know the the website was good, uh, the the broadcast was fine. I mean, it was no problem. You say stream was fine when I watched um, the live tournament earlier. Well, what they've done is they've made it available for replay um, for, for I guess for as long as you want. I don't know how long I'm going to keep these rounds up there, but instead of giving you the leaderboard, you click on it and then the leaderboard pops up and you watch the tour play out in front of you for the replay. Um, does that continue? I don't know. I think they, they could do better in that regard on their website. But again, like it's, it's a storyline, but it's, it's kind of just, it, it is a backseat storyline is what actually these guys did. Yeah, they went and played in the live tour, but Mickelson's one under, by the way. So to me, the whole thing with the live tour initially for the fan or the mm-hmm. golf enthusiast is, how does it look? That's why I went to watch some of it today because I want to see, does it look like a professional tournament and what we've become accustomed to with the PGA Tour? My answer to that is yes. It looked like I'm watching any random non-major golf tournament. When I'm watching the, the camera set up, the look of the course, the cleanliness of the course, how well kept it is, the gallery, there were fans watching when I was watching the Live Tour, it looked very similar to a PGA Tour event. That's good news for the Live Tour, that it looks similar. But you're right, Hutton. The huge hurdle is getting people to actually care about results. But, but People care about the well, results of PGA Tour stops. They don't care right now about not, that. It's, it's, sometimes. It's stop one. No one cares about the Canadian Open. No, like, they only care if one of their, you know, a big name is in contention on Sunday and they want to watch. That's about it. Even then, very few care. But you, like, you have to... I would say you have to – that's for – even the diehard would know who's leading the RBC Canadian Open going into Sunday. Um, I think it, especially with everything else going on and how that tour is covered, if it's not a major or a, you know, a tournament that is an annual event where the biggest stars are playing, I'm not sure if, if you're flipping over on a Sunday for a final round to see who's in contention. Maybe I'm completely wrong on that, but – I mean, we. I think the gauge would be, is it a headline on a normal Monday following the Canadian Open on who won? I mean, e- even if one of the top guys won, I'm not sure if it's a major headline. And the Live Tour, because there's only eight events, they've got to create something like that, right? Where you've got the... And it, really, the only thing that's at stake is, are you winning the... $4 million purse and all of that, but I'm not even sure if the fans it's, care about that. You just, it's just so hard yeah. to create tradition out of thin air. No, I, you're right. There's just no way to do it. I mean, we, 
one of the reasons that we love sports so much is that you can go back, you know, 100 years, 50 years, however long, and look at a series of games or a series of events or key moments at a certain venue and say, man, look, think about all the great things that have happened at this tournament or at this ballpark or at this football stadium. And when you're creating something out of thin air, it's, I just think it's so difficult to do. As much as we act like we're futuristic and forward-thinking and everything else, we always fall back on tradition. And we always fall back on what's always been important and what's always mattered. And it's tough to gain footing that way. I think Formula One was a good example earlier you brought up of something that kind of came out of nowhere. And it's not taken America by storm, but it's gained a foothold in the United States in popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but that's been going on. You know, that's also an established brand yes. in Europe and internationally, just not in America. So to create something that is international, like the Live Tour, and try to make it popular, not just paying for American athletes to participate, but make it popular in America, it's close to impossible. It can be done. Nothing's impossible, but it's, it's pretty darn close. If you have the financial backing to keep it stable, you, you're, you're ahead of the game. Because that, that's the key. Like, the spring football leagues are a great example. You and I will be in Birmingham yep. for the USFL this weekend. The, the USFL's goal is to keep things within a pay structure or a, a spending structure that allows the league itself to survive longer than a calendar year. I mean, let's just start there. Covering the USFL draft earlier this year, that, that was the talk, was the structure is set up so that it's not going to fold like the Alliance did in week six in the middle of the season. And they haven't. But you've got to be able to get through the struggle of establishing your foothold in order to get people to buy in because you've got to establish that you're legit before the fans. The fans are smart. Our viewers and listeners are smart. You're not just going to tune in all of it because there's an alternative uh, to whatever's on TV that day. You've got to give them a reason, and you have to be established and credible. And that's, that costs quite a bit. This live invitational may have the financial backing for the, long, for the long haul. If they don't, the guys who are jumping ship are still making so much coin that it's worth it to them to be blackballed or resign from the PGA as they know it right now. Maybe that changes down the road. Well, going back to the USFL as an example, and we'll be in Birmingham with USFL this weekend without kick the tailgate. I'd love to talk to our guys in Birmingham, you know, Ryan Brown, Lance Taylor, those guys. Yeah. Uh, and I saw where Ryan wrote something about the impact in the city of Birmingham. But are you going to have people living in the Birmingham area that get really excited if the Stallions go undefeated and win it all? Are you going to have people that get upset if they lose in the playoffs? And their season's over. I mean, that it, is the next step you eventually have to get to for a league. And that, to me, is the hardest step. Yes. I think they've already accomplished the – they look credible. Mm-hmm. It looks like a football game. Cool. I watched again over the weekend and saw the end of a, a really good finish, low-scoring game. But Birmingham kicked a field goal, close whether it was good or not, kicked a field goal to beat New Orleans in the very end of the game. They had a last-minute drive from New Orleans that, that fell short. Yeah, you don't feel like you're watching a gimmick. I'm watching it. I'm thinking I'm watching a football game. Yeah, I agree. Right? I mean, I, it, it's uh, the, the first game that I was at and in attendance. I'm thinking this feels like sort of a mid-level 
mid-major level college football game that I'm watching in terms of skill, intensity, athleticism, everything. And there's a big market for that. We've seen that in college football. So it, it can get better, but it's already established to be that. But now taking that next, I would say it's a step, but it's really a giant leap to actually get people to care about wins and losses. And I'm not talking about the players and coaches. I'm talking about people watching it. And th- that's a big hurdle, and it's, it's difficult to get there. Wins and losses was part of the discussion for Lincoln Riley recently uh, in a, a piece with uh, an interview with Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports. Lincoln Riley, now the head coach at USC, left Oklahoma for, for the Pac-12, for Southern California, for Hollywood. And at the time, and, and still, the, the discussion is, well, he's, he's leaving Oklahoma as Oklahoma's about to join the SEC. Quote, I heard the, old, I heard the, the whole SEC narrative. To me, the SEC has nothing to do with it. It's about the program that you're at and the position that you think you can get to. And then speaking of wins and losses, he goes on to say, I walked into four playoffs and I've never had better than maybe the third best roster of the four semifinal teams. Speaking of Oklahoma. Um, that's important to note because he's saying that he can field the roster that's going to be competitive in the college football playoff at USC that's going to be better than the third or fourth best at best roster in the college football playoff with by the way he's comparing his roster at Oklahoma to the SEC that were ahead of him if not SEC Clemson ahead of him in the college football playoff there I I was interested by that answer because I do think that's a very candid and honest reaction and I think that tells you where his expectations are for the Trojans and he can get there at that program I was reading something. Um, I think he could get there at Oklahoma too, by the way. Yes, and there were all these. You know, what's the what's the party crasher this year? If it was Cincinnati last year to the playoff, who's the most likely party crasher? And there's a number of people writing. Um, I don't think it's completely out of line to think that Lincoln Riley gets there in year one at USC with bringing in Jordan Addison and and Caleb Williams and the team they're going to have. That it's not. It's not crazy to think they're going to roll through the Pac-12 in year one and possibly make the playoffs. Um, The whole NIL thing, and when you can be out there with it, but yet not out there with it, but the word on the street is, boy, these programs are the ones that pay. And we all know the programs that are paying right now and that are ahead of the NIL curve. When that word gets out there and you can peer recruit and get guys in quickly, I think you can turn your fortunes quickly. And I think the transfer portal is where you do it the fastest because you're getting established guys who are more developed bodies than 17, 18-year-old yeah, freshmen for sure. that are coming in. And you can completely – I mean, we're going to see a number of units this year in college football that have been transformed because of the transfer portal. I think one, one good example is what's happened in Nebraska. Adrian Martinez leaves – by the way, story up at outkick.com, which really made me laugh. Adrian Martinez claims Nebraska was tarnishing his brand and image because of all the losing. Mm-hmm. He said, no, I, I get I'm a quarterback and I'm a pretty big part of what happens with the team, but I am just part of a team, and I really wanted to go somewhere where I could go to a bowl game. They haven't been to a bowl game in five years in Nebraska, and Kansas State goes to a bowl game regularly. So it's just odd that I'm thinking Nebraska's history 
and you're claiming that Nebraska was ruining your brand, so you had to go to Kansas State in order to win. But Nebraska brings in Casey Thompson, and uh, um, and I'm blanking on the name now, but the transfer from Florida State, two guys who were big prospects, one who started at Texas, another one who had a chance to start at Florida State to compete for the job at Nebraska. That's your most important position. It's been completely turned over and changed with veteran guys at your position. Purdy. That's a quarterback. Uh, Bubba Purdy. Uh, thank you. So that's just for the quarterback position in Nebraska. How many other spots across college football could be completely transformed or will be this year because of transfers? The, the non-Power 5, the group of five team that has completely turned over its roster uh, with more talent is SMU because of the transfer portal. Um, out of Dallas, the Mustangs have crushed it with NIL. And they have the number one transfer class among any group of five team for 2022. So like, it's not even at the Power 5 level if we want to talk about the money and the influence. Um, here's an example of a team that can exceed expectations just from the the next tier. Um, but, I mean, he could have done that. I'm going back now to Lincoln Riley. Chad, he could have done that at Oklahoma. Yeah. So, um, for, for him to say it wasn't SEC influence, he, he's getting to the college football playoff at Oklahoma, and he's four of four in most years among talented rosters. He's admitting that at Oklahoma. One, if not two of those teams he's comparing himself to are the SEC. And if not that, he's comparing it to Clemson based on those years he's referring to. So, I mean, I, I don't know why he... I mean, he, he should admit he can get to the college football playoff based on the current structure. Much easier where he is now than where, he, where Oklahoma will be by 2025. I... I I agree with that, and I think that in part it was SEC influence for Lincoln Riley. I also think there's nothing wrong with just saying there's nothing wrong with Oklahoma. There's nothing wrong with them joining the SEC. They're a great program. They're going to do great with their new coach, Brent Venables. Mm -hmm. We were great when we were there. I mean, what's wrong with Lincoln Riley saying that and then just going on to say, I just wanted a new challenge. I wanted something different. And USC offered me a great and unique opportunity to go to another Banner institution and college football program that's top five all time, top ten in wins in college football. That's won national championships. And it was a unique opportunity that I wanted to take. And, and, end of story. And then and then that's say, it. You can you can you can do it by complimenting everyone, right? <laughs> On both sides and get away with it. And then you say, Have you seen my seventeen million dollar mansion oceanfront property that I live in currently? Yeah, that, and that's look, the other all, thing. Here all due too. respect to Norman, Oklahoma, you're not getting that property in Norman, Oklahoma. That's another good point. You know, I wanted to live in Southern California. I wanted to live at the beach. I wanted all these things, and I had that opportunity at USC, so I left. He has a a Spanish style thirteen thousand square feet, seven bedroom, twelve bathroom home in L.A. County. You know, Bruce Pearl <laughs> had to get fired because of a barbecue at his house at Knoxville. <laughs> And that was a nice place. It was on the lake or the river there in East Tennessee in Knoxville. Imagine the barbecues with tiki torches and everything. Uh, maybe a full pig being roasted that you could throw for Lincoln Riley at his villa, at his Spanish villa in Southern California for I mean, recruits. The, the wine cellar alone is... That is a barbecue I want to attend. 
So his kitchen has three islands in it, not one. I'm looking at photos now, just scrolling through. Um, tennis court. I mean, his entire roster could live here. Kenny Powers threw great barbecues <laughs> on Eastbound and Down. He By talk, the way, Prost Lincoln about Riley them. for this. Yeah, I think Lincoln Riley could throw some Kenny Powers-like barbecues at that, at that villa. Coming up, uh, we'll preview what's on tap tonight. Kenny Powers uh, style, if, if you're a Kenny Powers fan. The That's Kenny Powers-type parties here at Six and Peabody. If you're not a Kenny Powers fan, just stop watching. Yeah, but there you go. Outkick 360 rolls on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. There is a rookie wide receiver who's been turning heads at mandatory minicamp. His name is Jahan Dotson with the Washington Commanders. Um, just based on reading through reports of what reporters are allowed to say they've seen uh, and just watching some videos of things, Dotson out of Penn State um, has been making some really nice catches. For instance, uh, there was a video I saw, Chad, where he's, he's not getting his head around quick enough on a route, but the ball is on him fast, and he's still turning around in the reaction time that the hands are, are there like that. Those are things that, uh, that as the timing and rhythm progress, he's going to excel at, and it's not going to look as awkward, but even when it looks awkward, he's still making the catch. Well, he's every draft analyst that I would listen to about this guy. And I saw him at Penn state. He's a great player, but everything was, you know, if this guy's six, three, he's maybe the greatest receiver prospect of the last 15 years. He does everything. Well, he's a great route runner. He's shifty. He can also surprisingly go up and get it for a guy who's only 5'9", but he's 5'9", yeah. right? That's, what you, that's the knock on him the whole time, but it's hard to find a bad review on Dotson, the player, and how tough he is, how uh, combat catching, he's great at that. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to watching uh, his career because it's, it's easy to root for guys like that. That, you know, there's just one big knock. He's, he's short, right? But everything else is perfect. I hope he does well. Well, I mean, there's a role for him, right? Uh, how dominant can he be for the size that he... Again, size is not everything in the league, but it does matter for the marquee guys, for the most part. Um, but for his size, it, it, the caveat is, as long as he stays durable, he's never going to be completely healthy. No player is, but durable and available, then he's going to have a fantastic career. Um, it, if you know he gets banged up because of his size and he's always nicked or he's, he's dealing with elements that are, are keeping him limited where he's playing in 10 games, 12 games, 13 games a year, that will then everyone will point to the scoreboard from the draft and say, see, that, that's the issue there. Um, by the way, Cooper Cup's contract, he got $40 million in new money. Good for him. Um, Well-earned. In fact, it may be a bit more than that. I, that may be over the first two years. Yeah, it's, so it's $80 million in new money. $75 million guaranteed. 
And that's not it. Armando had the column that Aaron Donald is underpaid. So is this dude. Cooper Cup is only the fourth wide receiver in NFL history to pull off the triple crown um, where he's leading the NFL in catches, yards, and touchdowns. And he nearly became the first wide receiver in NFL history for a 2,000-yard season. Um, fantastic year. And, and he's a guy that you can bank on doing it again. He, he has a cap. He, he didn't hold out. He showed up. And I say cap-friendly. They had to make an adjustment in order to give him the extension yesterday. But it's well-earned. And here are the Rams. The Rams who extended him early on his first contract gave him the extension and had the benefit. It was team friendly now because of his production just re-upped again. And now the entire roster is happy. Give or take the guys who, you know, have no leg to stand on because the superstars are the ones who re-up to run it back. Hutton, I've got some viewing numbers for the live tour today. Okay. This courtesy of our buddy, Darren Ravel, who says live golf today had an average audience of 93,000 viewers on YouTube in its first round. Average on Facebook was 3,300. So Austin Karp, who is a sports media expert, retweets that and says, if this is in fact the average minute audience, it's the same exact audience that a 4 a.m. Eastern time repeat of Rangers Lightning Game 4 got on ESPN on Wednesday morning. Yes, 4 a.m. Eastern time. I, I'm not sure many people knew about the actual product itself and when it was teeing off. Obviously they just, not. They just know about the feud. But the eyeballs will, will go where the superstars are. Eventually. And, and eventually you're going to know exactly where to find the Live Tour. The question is, are you going to find the Canadian Open? We'll discuss that and more tomorrow on Outkick 360.